Pakistan and India both submit reports to the UN accusing each other of terrorism. A defector from North Korea leaps across the border into the south. A Turkish ship to Libya is forcibly stopped by the German Navy. And the leader of a right-wing party in the Netherlands steps down for racism. This is the world at large, and we are Politics 1001. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the world at large. And in America right now, tomorrow, it's Thanksgiving. And you know what that means? We say what we're thankful for. And I, for one, am thankful for Josh for summing up the news for me every Wednesday. Oh, Ian, you don't have to say that. But, you know, um, what I'm thankful for, um, and Ian's thankful for me, and I'm also thankful for me, but besides <laughs> myself, I'm also thankful <laughs> I'm also thankful for our followers from Trinidad and Tobago um, for putting us on the list in their country. So thank you guys. Shout out to your country. Beautiful country. Um, yes. And we're not just honored. on the list. Number two on in the list. The entire country? It means we're above... BBC, CNN, New York Times, all of them. All of them. So we thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Um, your country is very awesome. Now that we know you guys are listening, I'm going to make it a goal of mine before the end of the year to try to do a story on Trinidad and Tobago. So um, with that in mind, I'm glad you, glad, glad you, <laughs> I, I, again, we're very thankful, but we'll move on now. Because we have a lot to talk about, and that includes Pakistan and India both deciding that they want to make a little bit of a fuss in the United Nations. So, what does that mean? Well, both India and Pakistan have submitted dossiers on each other. Uh, and a dossier, in case you don't know, is a series of documents they're just try- it's trying to sum up. It's like a report. Um, so the Pakistani UN ambassador, Munir Akram, submitted one on Indian terrorism, while the Indian one, just a day earlier before the Pakistani one, submitted one on Pakistani terrorism in Kashmir. So what's happening here is India submits one, Pakistan no like very much. So Pakistan does one also. Pakistan uh, no like. <laughs> so um, in case if you guys want to get like a terrorism uh, report uh, submitted on you, then just submit one on someone else and they'll retaliate. They'll, they'll return the favor. Lesson so, for life. <laughs> there you go. So the Pakistani government has made it very clear that they want to keep the contents of the document which they submitted, the dossier, very secret. They want to keep it to a minimum until it's presented before the UN Terror Committee. However, we know that it was actually submitted because, well, the Pakistani government, well, by Akram, actually talked about it on Twitter. He said, and quote, Today, I met with UN Secretary General at Antonio Guterres and handed over the dossier from the government of Pakistan. I will detail the, to the press on its contents later. So... Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. So he submitted this, again, because he's trying to see that India is the one that's actually, actually fostering terrorism in this region, you see. India is the one who's funding all these separatist groups. They're creating all these, all this drama in Kashmir. The, Kashmir is where India is doing all their evils. In fact, they are trying to distract us from the actual purpose of the humanitarian crisis that's going on, which we will talk about in a second. But first, we need to know that the UN did assure Pakistan that they will review the documents when the next council meets. Um, they will go over them. I'm assuming they'll go over the Indian one, too. They're going to review. They're going to compare them. They're going to see, look, is the content actually legit? So what was the Indian response to this? Well, India was not very happy. They do not. India was just trying to submit a report on Pakistani terrorism. They And Pakistan has the nerve, the gall, to submit one back. India no happy. India is not happy either, as Ian said. And this is where all the tension is stemming from, because India and Pakistan do not tend to get along very well. So 
you know, instead of instead of take out our hates on each other in public speeches, uh, militarily, let's just both support, submit reports to the United Nations. Let's settle it there. So this comes, again, a day after the Indian submission, and the Indian spokesperson to the UN rejected these accusations and swiftly brushed them off. This statement was also released by the Indian government, and they said, and quote, Pakistan could cry horse from the rooftops, but they could not change the fact that they are the epicenter of terrorism. Their lies have no takers. And then the Indian ambassador to the UN, T.S. Tumarti, said this also. Concoding documents and peddling false narratives is not new to Pakistan, host to the world's largest number of UN-prescribed terrorists and entities. So, as you guys can see, Pakistan and India love each other a lot. No. Yes, um, <laughs> they're very thankful for each other. They let's just they do not they do not want to be thankful for each other on Thanksgiving. Like like we are for Trinidad and Tobago. In fact, they're quite the opposite. They right. do not like each other. They would be they would much rather the other one not submit a report on how they sponsor terrorism. I don't know why. Yeah. So India's accusations against Pakistan, we're going to get into this, is that the Pakistani militants crossed into Kashmir and opened fire on an Indian inspection team while they were on patrol. So, you know, there, there's like these tunnels that go into Kashmir from Pakistan, and India's saying, well, there's four militants, they snuck under the border, our, our guys are brave soldiers of India, they're on patrol in Kashmir, and your guys opened fire on them. That That is terrorism in itself. You cannot just open fire on our soldiers. In fact, we're going to submit a report on you to the UN. But Pakistan said, well, you're going to submit a report on that? Well, we're going to submit a report on you. So what did Pakistan say? Well, they said that India was also making these allegations, but only as a way to distract the world from the actual problem at hand, which is the Indian repression of people in Kashmir. So Pakistan, they kind of rejected it, but they more brushed it off. Um, they're just trying to say, that might have happened. Look, that might have happened. But you know what's even worse? We wouldn't have had to do that if India was not occupying Kashmir. India has subjected these people, have taken away their electricity, cut off their internet access. India. India is the real evil here. And you need to understand that, United Nations. So, hey, both countries, they have their own little accusations with each other. And uh, Pakistan also came forward and said that India was funding the Balochistan Liberation Army, which operates in Afghanistan. And the Balochistan is, for context, it's like a region in western Pakistan. It's... it's like one of the bigger ones. That little like loop you see off the side of Pakistan. That's all Balochistan. Um, and so the Balochistan Liberation Army is about 6,000 soldiers and they're a separatist group. And they've been known to carry out attacks on Pakistani soil. Um, and again, I already described the location, but this is the Balochistan Liberation Army is recognized by as a terrorist group by Pakistan, by the United Kingdom, and by the United States. So... It's certainly not. It's certainly not a very peaceful group. But Pakistan's saying separatists, separatists, separatists. We don't like separatists. Pakistan does not like. You know, they don't like these people. Um, they don't like the Blogistans. Just like Turkey doesn't like the Kurds trying to get separatism, and just like the Russians don't like all these all these separatist groups in in Siberia and southeastern Russia, like in Kerovbosk. If <laughs> I pronounce that right. So you see all this different stuff going on. And when a country has to deal with separatist groups, they tend not to be very big fans of them. And they especially do not like when their enemy or their countries that they border do not recognize their separatist groups as as a terrorist group. Um, and India does not recognize the Blokistan Liberation Army as a terrorist group. So all of this comes before 2021. And that's when India will begin its two-year term sitting on the Security Council. Because everyone kind of rotates. They'll go off. And so India... They, 
2021, they're getting admitted. And they got two years to sit on that, have a seat on the council and just, you know, hear out these problems. I don't think that they're going to like these accusations from Pakistan very much. But Pakistan, they don't like the accusations from India. Neither of them like the accusations against each other. Really? I couldn't imagine why. It's 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 a doozy. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> so let's move on. Um, interesting. Two countries, world powers, nuclear powers, accusing each other of terrorism. That's always fun. Um, mm-hmm. But you know who two other enemies are? North and South Koreans. Because if you guys haven't heard, North and South Korea, they also do not like each other that much. In fact, they, they their governments tend to hate each other. Uh, <laughs> Just a little. But this doesn't have to do with the governments as much as the fact that a person from North Korea defected. And I know, I know. Over 33,000 people in history have been have defected from North to South Korea. So why is this so special? Um, and if you were thinking what I was just thinking, which I assume you were. Um, <laughs> Everybody can read your mind. Exactly. If you if you were thinking that, well, I agree. So what's so interesting about this? Well, this guy, he jumped across the border. Usually what happens, right, is people will, like, kind of sneak across. They'll take a little boat and they'll go up to the shore. Um, they'll find some creative way, but this guy, he's, there's no sneaking for him. There's absolutely no sneaking. This guy is a former gymnast, and he decided, we're just going to jump across the border. And I know what you're saying, right? Like, isn't the border supposed to be jump-proof? Well, it is. Like, for example, I, I would not, for me, the border is jump-proof. For Ian, the border is jump-proof, especially for Ian. Oh, but, <laughs> but for me, he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but for, but for this man, it's a little bit less jump-proof. Mm-hmm. Um, or it is, yeah, it's less jump proof because this guy was a gymnast. So how the border actually looks is you have, you have one fence on one side of the North Korean border. You have one fence on the South Korean border, and then you have this no man's land in the middle and it's 10 feet wide. This guy, he's on the North Korean side and he leaps across to the other side of the border, all 10 feet and he lands on the other side. Um, so normally, normally, you know, you're not supposed to be able to leap 10 feet. That seems a little bit weird. Um, so that's why the border is. Usually works pretty well, but this guy, he he knew he could do it, and he did it. Did it. So, um, this is quite a big story because this doesn't happen. Well, I don't think it's ever happened where someone just leaped across the border like that. Um, so, what what do we know about this guy? Well, um, we know that he was a gymnast, like I said, but we also know that he was about in his late twenties. So, you know, he's not like he's not he's not he's he's still young, but he's not he's not, he's not at the prime of his life, right? So he's his twenties. His twenties. Late 20s. Yes. So when South Korean officials went to investigate the fence to check the validity of the, the validity of the story, because they're not just going to believe he jumped over. Maybe he's just trying to get some um, subsidies from the government. He's just lazy. doesn't want to work. Right. Um, he just he just wants. He says, look, if I could just say I'm a defector from North Korea, the government will just because they love it. The South Korean government loves when they have defectors. Yes. They love to just shower them with money, give them the best life, um, teach them their culture because it looks good for them. You know, PR purposes. Um, so this guy can be lying. They had to check it out. And so they want to go check the validity of the story. And they did not find any cuts in the fence. But they did see that it, the fence was noticeably pressed down as though someone was standing on it. So there you go. Um, although the story, again, has not actually been confirmed. This is what the guy's claiming. The authorities, the investigation is going on right now. But it seems more and more legit as the day goes on. But here is where the controversy comes in a little bit. This guy, he crossed the border and it took... The soldiers, 14 hours to find the guy. Um, and this is bad because this has directed a lot of criticism towards the South Korean military as, well, how could someone cross the border and not get detected and then also stay there for 14 hours? Well, also not getting detected. So that's 
Well, the man can leap over a fence. I'm sure he can disappear and go invisible. Probably. He's clearly Superman. Maybe. But, but so the question is, none of, there's sensors there? There's cameras? What about the soldiers patrolling? They didn't see any of that? None of that picked this guy up. He just he just snuck across. What about the North Korean soldiers? That, that famous story of that North Korean soldier who defected a few years ago, which he got in his car and he just drove as fast as he could towards the border, South Korean border. And, you know, the North Korean soldiers uh, turned and opened fire on all sides on the, on the car. But he was inside of it. It was bulletproof. He just ran through the border. Nice. Uh, they saw him then, but they didn't see this guy jumping over the border. So what's the deal here? And the South Korean military said, look, I know, I know, we maybe we should have detected it, I get it, but look, it's it's hard, okay? But we're going to check on our cameras, we're going to check our sensors, make sure it's all working, because I agree it should have gone off. Um, but this is the second time within a year that defector, a defector has gotten over the border without getting detected. The other one was last year in August 2019, um, which a group of four North Koreans approached the coast of South Korea from the coast, and they just floated right in. And none, none of the garden, none of the security uh, picked it up. They just floated right in. And so the criticism is, well, how are you not seeing these people? You got cameras everywhere. You have like a national guard. So I'm a little bit confused here. They just floated right up to village without being detected. Um, however, this criticism has also been applied to the North Korean army because they let this guy escape, right? Hey, how do you not see him jumping over the fence, right? Uh, so you got you got to levy criticism both in both directions. But nevertheless, quite an interesting story. Yes. All right. Very interesting. Interesting indeed. So let's move on now to North Africa and Libya. So Libya, guys, if you didn't know, is going through a civil war, a pretty intense civil war, one that has been going on for many years now and doesn't really seem like it's anywhere near ending. So the United Nations got together and they said, look, we're going to we're going to have to stop this war the best we can. We can't just go in there and end it because that never goes well. So what we're going to do instead... Maybe maybe they can get the guy who can leap 10 feet and see if he can do anything to stop the war <laughs> and apparently become invisible. But anyway, I digress. Continue. Yeah. Um, so he... Oh my god. Okay, so this. So what the United Nations said they're going to do is we're going to place an arms embargo on the country of Libya. We can't actually stop the war, but what we can do is kind of cut them off from the outside for arms purposes. And that way, no one... Well, I, no new people will get in, no new soldiers, no new guns, no, no new ammunition, and eventually, like, you know, maybe that'll do something. However, a Turkish ship was on its way to Libya, it was just minding its own business, and then it, it was stopped by a, German by a German-led navy, it was stopped by a German frigate, and the personnel from the German boat stopped the ship, and they got on a helicopter and flew onto the Turkish ship, and they forcibly, like, seized the crew and pushed them into the corner of the boat while they searched it. Um, and so the ship, like, clearly did not give permission for the German soldiers to be there. And so that's where the anger has come on, because they were just kind of supposed to stay in the corner while everyone else searched. And so, the uh, again, this this is because of the embargo, and the ship is tasked, um, it's it's led by the uh, council in Rome. And what the, what this council does is it make, it kind of enforces the arms embargo in Libya. And so these ships are just patrolling, and they're, and they're just trying to make sure that no one can come in. And so no country is allowed to import arms into Lib Libya, and that includes Turkey. So they thought that this was a justification in itself to actually search the ship. And so that so they thought that was the best step to take. And so the search was never completed, though, because the Turkish government was not very happy. They said, you cannot just come on our ship. That's my ship. That is none of your business, Germany. You cannot just 
enter other people's property. My poor crew, what are you doing? And so they called this search, quote, illegal, and they immediately demanded it stopped. And, well, that, that was that. The Germans had to leave. They couldn't keep searching. And so um, they the German government said, well, look, we asked. We asked it first. We asked them, and they said, and they never replied to us. So we thought, you know what? We're not going to reply. We're just going to go on the ship. We're just going to send our guys there and receiving and just do what we have to do, right? And so they actually said this in a quote from the German defense ministry, end quote. Upon receiving no reply, a German search team was brought by a helicopter to the fright freighter and commenced the search. The crew was very cooperative and commanded the search and the, yeah, the crew was cooperative. So essentially, you know, the crew kind of just went along with it, but they didn't really understand what was happening. They didn't think they were going to get pulled aside. And so the Turkish government, again, was very, very angry, and they summoned its ambassadors from Italy, um, Germany, and EU, in the EU, because all these, all three of these governments were involved in this process heavily, and they called, they wanted to recall them to formally protest their ship being searched, because they don't think it's fair, they think it's mean, you can't touch our stuff. And to be fair to Turkey, um, the German government said that on the limited search that they did conduct, they didn't find anything. They didn't, they didn't find anything that, like infringed on the agreements of the embargo at least so pretty good and turkey said yeah all you all you found were biscuits like that's that's what they said so um they said look you don't trust you don't trust me to uphold the embargo of germany (sighs) you're very disrespectful you're never gonna search my ships again (laughs) so there you go um i mean i when i don't just go knock on your door and if i don't hear a reply i don't just let myself in or do I? Or do you? I, I, I mean, I, I don't, but... I like to play pirate. That's kind of what Germany did. Maybe they just want to play pirate, and they just want to raid people's yeah. ships. <laughs> that's a fun game. I mean, if, in that case, it's justified. Oh, yeah, so I guess it depends on the reason. Um, but anyways, you guys can ponder that reason. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about Guatemala. Because Guatemala, Guatemala, led by President Alan Rodriguez has suspended the final ratification of the proposed budget for the upcoming year after mass protests broke out in the capital, Guatemala City, regarding the opposition to the bill. So we're going to talk about what the bill was, but these protests, which oversaw the Hall of Congress being set on fire and part of it even burnt down, uh, were aimed at curbing corruption within the government. So people were quite angry. They do not like the Guatemalan government when it does stuff like being a little bit corrupt. That's what all these were for. And they set fire to it. And the Guatemalan government don't like this. They arrested a bunch of people. They said, you guys have the right to freedom of speech, but you guys are not going to, you're not going to be burning down our buildings. We're going to arrest anyone who lights fire to it. Um, and just for like additional information, the actual congressional hall, like the main, the main meeting spot inside the Congress was not actually burnt down. What was, what was burnt down was the, like the legislative, the legislative offices, um, but still federal property, right? And so the protesters said their reasoning for for this in the first place, like all these protests were to curb corruption and more specifically the mass poverty in the country. And the proposed budget, uh, which is what really made them angry, would cut back. So it would cut back on things like health care and it would cut back on the food, on the programs meant to counter malnutrition, like food, food related programs. But what would it actually fund? Because it's more expensive than the budget this year. So what would it actually fund? Well, this what it would fund is the congressman. The congressman would now, according to that budget, get 60,000 US dollars or 50,000 euros added to the expenses of the Congress to just spend on food and buy and cover meal expenses, stuff like that. 
because they thought that was necessary. But what was also necessary was cutting back on the malnutrition budget. And so this is what made people angry. They're like, okay, come on. People are hungry and you're giving yourself more money to spend on food. You don't need that. You could just spend that money instead on the malnutrition in the country. And so this is really where the people got angry, saying the people of the Guatemalan Congress were just caring about themselves. And so President Rodriguez, he was quite a sympathetic man. He said, you know what? If you're going to burn stuff down, if you're just going to riot in the street, clearly this is not going to work. So he said this about the budget. And quote, in order to maintain the governability of the country and social peace, we've agreed to suspend the process of approving the revenue and spending plans for the 2021 budget. So therefore, um, he's not going to, they're not going to be going through with that. Um, it seems like there's going to be a more, like a bill similar to this year, um, where they can keep all these programs, similar funding, and they're just going to add like an extra billion dollars for coronavirus counter, for like to counter the coronavirus. Um, so that's what the actual bill is going to be. The old one of spending $60,000 on meal expenses for the Congress, that's being thrown away. People, again, for some reason, we're not the biggest fans of that. For some reason. Some reason. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to our last story of the day, and this takes place out of the Netherlands. Uh, so the Netherlands is, they're not going through that much of a crisis. The Netherlands are doing quite well. As but, the Netherlands does. As the Netherlands do. But they had the the leader of the right-wing party called Forum voor Democratie, if I pronounce that right. Um, his name is Thierry Baudet. Baudet, I don't know. Um, Better it's, have it's on the French right. border, so I don't know if the T is silent. Well, it's not. The French border, but but uh, French is prevalent, I'm assuming, in that part of Europe. I don't know, but I don't speak Dutch. But anyways, um, the leader of the right wing party, uh, Baudet, has just resigned as the party head and said he will not act as its leader for the upcoming elections in 2021. So why did he resign? Well, many members of the Forum voor Democratie have said that have been suspended over anti-Semitism and other racist remarks. Um, some of them were saying like. You know, a lot, a lot of comments about Jews and how they were, how they had like servants and stuff. It, it was really weird. Um, and so, Baudet said in his resignation video that he was, he was resigning as a means to take responsibility for the hate speech. And he's saying like, look, I, look, I understand. It's not great to say bad stuff about Jews. It's not good to say bad stuff about minorities in general. So I will do the responsible thing. I will take responsibility for these bad people who also got suspended. And I'll step down as leader. And so critics of Baudet had said, it's too little too late. Come on, man. You did not. You think that's going to do anything? Like you already, your people already said that stuff. You stepping down does not change that fact. Your party is racist and bad and evil. So his opponents would rather him not step down? Well, his opponents, look, I, this is what they're saying. The lesson of an opponent is whatever you do. Always criticize. Yes. <laughs> you always have to criticize. That's politics. And so, again, I mean, look, we like to take our lessons from geopolitics about money and power, but that applies to normal politics, too. It's all about power. If you make your opponent look bad, make them look weak, the enemy party, then you can get more votes mm-hmm. in the government. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> so that, there's the perspective there. Uh, but so, yeah, some people have have said that it's a little too little too late. Well, others have lauded the party for kicking out the roast racist people and stepping down. They're saying, you know, that's better than nothing. However, Baudet will likely not be leaving the party, but rather just act as one of its more prominent members, shall we say. Um, some critics have even said it's more of a formality that he's stepping down. He's still going to be the head of the party. He's just not going to be up there, right? So um, kind of, I'm trying to think of an example from history, but he's the, he, he's the puppet of the actual government. Mm-hmm. 
So quite interesting. Um, like Rasputin. There you go. Um, not technically okay. in power, but had a lot of power. I guess it's similar. <laughs> a little bit different. But yeah, the lesson is the same. But what's also the same is what we're about to tell you about what you should do before shutting off this episode. So thank you guys for listening. That is all the news we have. However, we're going to go on our little bit. We're going to go on our spiel and we're going to tell you that yes. we love you. We're very happy you listened. If you made it this far, you are amazing. You're an amazing person. However, it's important, and I cannot stress this enough, it is very important that you leave a like, you share, and what else should they do, Ian? Uh, leave a review, but not just any review. Mm. You're going to write a little message, and you're going to say well, what you like, what we could do better, but mostly what you like, and you're going to make it five stars, because we genuinely want to hear what you guys have to say about this show. Yes, and if you, if you hear this, and you talk about how beautiful Ian's shoulders are, mm. and you leave that in the comment section as a, as a review, that we will get a shout-out in the next Yeah, we podcast. will shout you out. So if you say how beautiful my shoulders are in the review section on Apple Podcasts, we would faint with joy and shout you out. Shout you out. Yeah, so there's your goal. Um, but more importantly, leave a like. But still leave a review. Make sure to share other people. Tap the guy if you're waiting in line at a restaurant or mm-hmm. a takeout place. Or I know. in a drive-thru, get out of your car and just tell the person next to you that you want them to listen to this podcast and subscribe. Yes. And lastly, lastly, we are doing this podcast. We also run an, an Instagram account called mm-hmm. Politics1001. Um, and we would appreciate it if you go follow us there. But not only that, but if you enjoy the content and you want to support us, um, there's going to be a link. It's the first link you'll see in the description of this podcast if you're on Apple Podcasts. Uh, or any any podcast I mean, any podcast any podcast if you go into the description of this podcast um, you will see a donation link it's the first one that says support us please 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 if you can donate uh, if you can't then leaving a review is perfectly perfectly fine as well but if you can donate and you enjoy the content then it means a lot to us and it'll help you know convince us to continue to do this work it really does support us I cannot stress it enough yeah alright guys well thank you for listening I hope you have a great rest of your day we're going to get out of here. Goodbye. We are the world at large, and we are Politics 1001. Bye. See you.